0: Lord, it's not an easy place to be, sometimes to be broken. That's the only way we can be wholly surrendered. God, thank you. Thank you, Father. For the time of worship that we have, God, to prepare our hearts for your word. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. It's because of because of his love his sacrificial love the fact that we feel so undeserving of that love that's why we're sweetly broken undeserved life we don't deserve the life that you have given us You love us, and you have grace towards us. Father, thank you. Thank you. I pray that we wouldn't take you for granted. We wouldn't take your love for granted. We would recognize that once we are adopted into your family, God, we can never be taken out of that family. There are people within the sound of my voice right now. They don't know you. They've heard about grace, but they don't know grace. They don't know salvation. God, I pray for their hearts. Lord Jesus, I pray for them. God, I pray that they would be sweetly broken today and they would be adopted into your family. As a result of them being wholly surrendered to you. God, this is about you and your glory. And I pray with all that I am, Father, that you be glorified now. Father, I don't want to say anything that's outside of your will. I want to be perfectly in alignment with your Holy Spirit, God. Speak to your people now, rescue them. Draw them to yourself for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Jacob's family is living in a place called Goshen in Egypt. Joseph has been the instrument of the salvation of his family because they were going to die, they were going to perish. There wasn't any food they were just gonna die but because Joseph had been sold into slavery a long time ago as a result of his brothers hating him now he's the salvation of his whole family Jacob and his family have been rescued by the Egyptians Jacob's family they're all shepherds and Egyptians hate shepherds and God is at work the whole time God's not only Keeping Jacob's family, he's blessing them. Their numbers are multiplying. Things are going really well in Jacob's family. God's keeping his promises. Chapter 48. Jacob's got he's getting old. He's on his deathbed. I'm just gonna read it to you first. And then we'll see where God leads from there. One day, not long after this, word came to Joseph, your father is failing rapidly. So Joseph went to visit his father and he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. When Joseph arrived, Jacob was told, your son Joseph has come to see you. So Jacob gathered his strength and sat up in his bed. Jacob said to Joseph, God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me He said to me, I will make you fruitful, and I will multiply your descendants, and I will make you a multitude of nations, and I will give you the land of Canaan and to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. Now I am claiming as my own sons, these two boys of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh, who were born here in the land of Egypt before I arrived. They will be my sons, just as Reuben and Simeon are. But any child born to you in the future will be your own, and they will inherit the land with the territories of their brothers Ephraim and Manasseh. Long ago, as I was returning from Padan Aram, Rachel died in the land of Canaan. We were still on the way some distance from Ephraim, Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. So with great sorrow, I buried her beside Ephrath. Then Jacob looked over the two boys. Are these your sons? He asked. Yes, Joseph told him. These are the sons God has given me here in Egypt. And Jacob said, Bring them closer to me so I can bless them. Jacob was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. So Joseph brought the boys close to him, and Jacob kissed them and embraced them. Then Jacob said to Joseph, I never thought I would see your face again. Now God has let me see your children too. Joseph moved the boys who were at their grandfather's knees, and he he bowed with his face to the ground. Then he positioned the boys in front of Jacob. With his right hand, he directed Ephraim and toward Jacob's left hand. And with his left hand, he put Manasseh at Jacob's right hand. But Jacob crossed his arms as he reached out to lay his hands on the boys' heads. He put his right hand on the hand of Ephraim, though he was the younger boy, and and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, though he was the firstborn. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this very day. And the angel who has redeemed, redeemed me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they preserve my name in the names of Abraham and Isaac. And may their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. But Joseph was upset when he saw that his father placed his right hand on Ephraim's head. So Joseph lifted up, lifted it to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's. No, my father, he said, this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused. I know, son, I know. He replied, Manasseh will also become a great people, but his younger brother will become even greater, and his descendants will become a multitude of nations. So Jacob blessed the boys that day with this blessing. The people of Israel will use your names when they give a blessing. They will say, May God make you as prosperous as Ephraim and Manasseh. And this way, Jacob put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. And Jacob said to Joseph, Look, I'm about to die, but God will be with you and take you back to Canaan, the land of your ancestors. And beyond what I have given your brothers, I am giving you an extra portion of the land that I took from the Amorites with my sword and bow. If you read this passage without doing a little bit of research, it may seem like, what's the big deal going on here? what's, What's the big deal, Kenny? Old guy, he's about to die. He's on his deathbed and he blesses two of Joseph's kids he 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 blesses them and what's the big deal well if you understand much about the ancient east you you would understand that 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 what he's doing here is he's passing on his his lineage his heritage he's saying you will you will be the blessed one you will be the blessed one now now you got to understand something uh, the, the, when you are the oldest child, tradition says that the oldest child is the one that gets the blessing. The oldest child is the one that gets the majority of the inheritance. The oldest child is the one that the father says, you take care of the family, you handle the land, you handle all of our possessions, you're the man once I'm gone. That's what it's all about, right? Well, here, Jacob's in his old age. And Joseph brings two sons up to Jacob for him to bless them. For him to bless them. I need you to know something about Joseph's two sons. You see, Joseph's two sons wouldn't have looked like everybody else. They may not even have looked exactly like Joseph. They may not have had the same characteristics and traits. You know why? Because they were half-Egyptian. You see, when Joseph became second in command, Pharaoh gave him a wife. He said, this is who you're going to marry. Now you say, well, well, he was disobeying God because he was outside of God's command to marry only within the Israelite community, right? Only to marry another Hebrew. Joseph didn't really have a choice in this situation. This was the situation that Joseph was in. He was second in command, and Pharaoh said, you're going to have a wife, and here's who it's going to be. She was a very prominent lady in that she was the daughter of a priest of the Egyptians, so that was the reason that Pharaoh said, this is who you're going to marry. Now, I told you three times in this, in, in this series, you're not supposed to marry somebody who's not a Christian. That's God's commandment. But if you find yourself in a position where you are a follower of Christ now, and your husband or your wife is not a follower of Christ, you know what you're supposed to do? Stay with them stay with them if that's the situation you find yourself in I am a Christ follower I want my life to glorify Jesus Christ even my marriage to glorify Jesus Christ stay with them but they don't love Jesus Kenny stay with them well they don't come with me to church stay with them they, they, they're always giving me flack about the fact that I want to be at church and I want to be worshiping Jesus. Stay with them. That's God's command. That's not Kenny Nix's command. That's God's command. You've got to understand that these two boys were half Egyptian. And here, Joseph is bringing two half Egyptian boys up to his dad. And you know what his dad says? Do you recognize what his dad says here? He says, I'm not just going to bless them. I'm going to adopt them and make them my own. They're going to be mine. They're going to be mine. They're going to belong to me now. What in the world? What in the world is all this about? This is the process of adoption is what's going on here. What you see is Jacob adopting these two boys, Ephraim and Manasseh. He's adopting them and bringing them into his own family. When you read Scripture, you don't necessarily see Joseph's name. You see Ephraim and Manasseh instead. And that was God's plan. That was God's plan. Jacob adopts these two half-Egyptians into his family, and these two will be used to be the father of all the nations of Israel. Oh, this is good news for you and I. This is extremely good news for you and I. Because we ain't nothing but a bunch of half-breeds. Am I right? Right. We ain't nothing but a bunch of idiots. And then God says, you know what? The Father says, you know what? I want to adopt them. I, I I don't want to just bless them. I want to adopt them. They're going to be in my family now. They're going to be one of mine. If I don't give you cold chills, I don't know what will. God doesn't just look at us and say, all right, good, go go and do your thing. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to make you one of mine. You're going to be part of my family now. You may have been a part of another family before, but you're going to be a part of my family now. Do you realize, I think that we we take too much, we, we put too much stock in blood kin. When you read this book, let me tell you something. When you read this book, blood kin ain't nearly as important as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Amen. Blood is thicker than water, but blood ain't thicker than the living water. Amen. Right? Yeah. Amen. I, I, you know what Jesus said? That, look, I love my family, okay? I do, I do. But I love my church family, too. When I say my church family, I'm talking about followers of Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we put too much stock in blood kin. You know what Jesus said? One time he was, uh, he was teaching. I've told you guys this story a million times. It's okay. I'll tell you again. That's what I'm supposed to do. So he's teaching, and like he's in a house. He's... He, he's jam-packed in there because everybody wants to hear Jesus. Everybody wants to be close to Jesus. So he, he's, he, he's there and he, he's I mean, there are people all around. Nobody can get in there to him. I mean, he just, I don't know. I mean, he may have just been standing there like this. I don't know. I mean, he didn't he didn't have anywhere to move because there were so many people in there. Well, somebody comes up to him and says, Hey, hey, Jesus, um, your brother, your brothers and your mother are outside, and they can't get in to see you. They, they can't get in here. I mean, you would think Jesus would be like, oh, I'll just, like, levitate them on in here or something, you know? I'll just bring them on in. Hey, y'all make an aisle. Mama and my brothers are here. Y'all make a way for them to get in here because, hey, they're blood kin. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, my brother and mothers are the ones that hear the word of God and obey it. (laughs) That's how important blood kin was to Jesus. He said, you know what matters most? Is those, those who hear the word of God and obey it. That, that's my brother and my, my mother and my brothers. That, that's, that's who matters to me. That's, who, that's who's closest to me. We put too much stock in genetics sometimes, I think. You may say, I, well, th- this is why I say this too. But some people don't, don't have brothers and they don't have a mother. Well, you come in here and we'll be your brothers and we'll be your mama. Because this is one family, and that's how we're supposed to treat each other. So Jacob looks at these half breed boys and says, you know what? Egyptians don't like shepherds. My whole family's shepherds. Come be part of my shepherd family. Is that not crazy? That's that's how we... I, I I don't know how we can wrap our minds around the grace of God and the fact that he says, you know what? You come and you be my family. You come and you be my family. Uh, the, John chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, it says, The light of the world, the true light has come into the world. And, 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 and Jesus Christ, the world was created through him, but the world didn't know him. The world, the world didn't know him. He came into his own, but his own did not receive him to those who did receive him, the ones that believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. It's the picture of adoption. It's the picture of us being adopted into the family of Christ. And and, and so many times I think that we overlook that. We overlook the fact that we are, are heirs to the possessions of God. Isn't that what Jacob says? He says, says, man, there's a land of Canaan, and and you're going to inherit that land. And we've got an inheritance, too, because God has accepted us into his family. That's why when people say you can lose your salvation, I'm like, you're an idiot. I'm like, you don't know. You don't know God's word. Because once you're in that family, you don't all of a sudden lose your inheritance. You're part of the family. You're in. Now, there's a lot of people that think they're in the family, but they ain't in the family. There's, there's a lot of people say, oh, I'm in mean God's family. I'm a, children, I'm a child of God. No, you're not. You, you don't act like a child of God. God, when, when, when he draws you to him and, and when you have the chance to be sweetly broken and surrender wholly to him, you stand there and say, no, I don't want to be adopted. No thanks. No thanks, I don't want that. Because your pride stands between you and him. And you don't want to say yes. And a lot of people say, oh, I'm, yeah, man. I'm in the family. I got an inheritance coming my way. No. No, you don't. And the only thing that stands between you and Ed is your pride. Because you won't be wholly surrendered. You see, people look at adoption nowadays all, all messed up. They look, look at adoption as it's like, well, I'm going to adopt a child to fill some hole in my life. I'm gonna bring some child into my family so so I can fill a void in in my heart and, and they'll they'll just make it complete and they'll make it whole. Can I tell you that that's the wrong mentality for adoption? Or maybe even they do it for the child and say, Well, the child would have been poor, but now they're gonna have a good lifestyle. Now, now they're gonna have a good lifestyle. Do you know that's the wrong mentality too? Do you know what the right mentality is for adoption? Here's a child who is going to be raised in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Here's a child who, once I bring them in, I adopt them, I'm going to continue to pour into them and pour into them the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's for the purposes of growing the kingdom. That's the reason. That's why you're supposed to do it. If you're doing it for any other reason, then it's not of God. That's crazy, right? It's crazy talk. It's about expanding the kingdom. You know know how I said earlier that that parents are supposed to push their child towards Christ, right? It's a perfect reflection of that in adoption. You bring somebody in, I don't care what color skin they got. Right? I don't care if if they're highlighter green. I I don't care. You bring them in, and you say, you know what? I know this. Every Sunday and Wednesday, you're going to be in church, and you're going to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know that. And hopefully, just hopefully, by by us continuing to pour, not only at church, but also at home, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that one day, you'll be in the family that really counts. You're in a family that loves you here on earth, but, man, I, I... as much as we can give them physical and monetary things, man, to make their life so good, the only thing that will count is the kingdom of God. And that's what you're supposed to give an adopted child. That's how you're supposed to raise them, so that they have an understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's the reason why you do it. They're like, man, I thought I was just supposed to adopt somebody so they'd have clean water. Man, it's so much deeper than that. So much deeper than that. And what happens here? So Jacob, he calls Joseph and brings his sons, and, and uh, Joseph gets all mad at Dad. Why does he get mad at Dad? It's because, see, this is how, man, I love this picture. This is how Joseph orchestrated things. Now, I probably should have had, you know, a dad and two sons, Lee, I'm not going to call you up here. Come up here and so we can demonstrate this. But Joseph, so what he does is, is the blessing is supposed to go on the son at the right hand. Where does Jesus sit, by the way? The right hand of the father, right? See, this is, I mean, it all ties together. It's like a big puzzle, man. It's amazing. You should read the book. It's good. So anyway, so Joseph has got the idea. Well, I'll bring my oldest son on my left. So he's coming in this way. I'll bring my oldest son on my left and my youngest son on my right and, and we'll come in and that way, that way when, when Jacob is there and he's facing this way I got to get the mirror image here he'll put his right hand on the oldest son and the oldest son will get the blessing because that's what tradition has. That's what tradition says the oldest son is supposed to get the blessing the oldest son is supposed to get the inheritance if you will. And what does Jacob do? Jacob does this number. Jacob crosses his hands. What's going on here? What's going on here? The youngest son's going to get the blessing. The youngest, just like Jacob did. See, Jacob and Esau, their roles were reversed too. Ishmael and Isaac, their roles were reversed too. What, what is this trying to tell us? What is God trying to tell us by this reversal of the traditional way of doing things? It's like over and over again, we see these early guys, man. It's like everything gets all messed up and the youngest son gets the blessing and the oldest one doesn't. I believe it's God saying this. I'm in control. I believe, that, I believe that's the message. You want to know? <laughs> It's weird, right? So what would God possibly be saying here? Maybe he's just saying, I'm in control Trust me. Trust me. As a matter of fact, Joseph gets so upset by what's going on, he tries to move his hand back over and say, Oh, Dad, you've messed up. You've got it all wrong. See, I brought him in the right way, but, but, but you messed it up. You, you, we're about to make the same mistake over again. How many times as Christians do we come in To the Father and say, I've got it all worked out. I'm bringing it in just like. All you got to do is bless it, God. God, all you got to do is say yes and put your hand on us and say, it's good and let's go. How many times? You, you stand before the Father with, with all your, your perfect car, your perfect house, your perfect wife, your perfect kids, and you got it all laid out. Man, we're all in the line. It's all, all you got to do is bless it, Jesus. Just say, it's good to go. Let's, let's go and let's build the kingdom. And then Jesus is looking at you, and he goes, hang on. I'm going to mix it up on you. It ain't going to be what you thought it was going to be. It ain't going to be the way that tradition says it's going to be. It's going to be upside down from that. Yeah. Buckle up. Right? And what what is what Jesus is doing the same thing to us that, that 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 Jacob is doing to his son right here. He's saying, trust me. I know you think you got it all lined up and all planned out, and it's gonna work just like you thought it was going to. Trust me. Trust me. But no, we don't want to do that. God, I had a plan. I, I, had, a, I had a plan. And, man, that's the way it was supposed to be. And, and now you're messing up the plan. Joseph, man, he had been faithful in, in, his, in his, his following God. He, he really had been. If you look at just over and over again these chapters that we've covered, man, Joseph's just been, been faithful in trusting God time and time and time again. And now he comes to his dad, for, his dad's on the, his deathbed, and it's like the final time that, 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 that things are going to come to a head right here. And, and, and Joseph's like, man, we got this, man. It's just going to happen this way. And what does God do? God stretches his faith a little more, doesn't he? God says, I know you think you got it worked out. Do you trust me? Do you trust me? situation in my own life. I'll tell you this. I may have told you this story before, but I got to stop saying that because I tell all my stories before. God called me to seminary, right? I, I can say that with absolute affinity that, that, that I was sitting in my office at my house and I was praying and I was seeking God, had my Bible open and I was like, God, I need to know what steps I need to take. Please show me. I, my daughter is sick. She's dying. She has cancer. But if you call me to seminary, then, Lord, I will go. I will sign up for that, and I will, I will, I will go to seminary classes. So God said, go to seminary. So I signed up some online classes. It was really all I could do because I was, I was working and, and trying to... Uh, to care for my daughter who had cancer she was going to chemo treatments and radiation treatments in boston so online was like the way that i could do it so i said okay i'll do that so i signed up for seminary classes my daughter gets closer towards the end of her life and i've got book reports due. i've got i've got papers i've got to turn in and things are really reaching favorite pitch for me and i'm thinking that i got to uh i got to do this for god i got to do this this is, this is about me being obedient to God, so I got to do this. So I am. I'm, just, I'm trying my best to try to work it out. I'm trying to make it happen because I feel like this is what God's called me to do. So I'm following in obedience to God. So we, we actually go off on a family trip. It's, it's the make a wish trip for my daughter because she's getting close to the end of her life at this point in time. And I, uh, we actually stay at the Disneyland Hotel right there at Disneyland in California because we've just seen the Hannah Montana show and met Miley Cyrus and Billy Ray and all that kind of stuff. And we, we, I was at the Disneyland Hotel um, late that night, and I I, I told Kasia I gotta go I gotta go downstairs, and I I gotta study, and I gotta I gotta write this paper, and I got book reports, and I gotta do this, and I gotta do that, and I was down there. I was down there in the lobby of the Disneyland Hotel, and I've been back there since then to that same couch. Just as assuredly as I know that God called me to seminary, he also called me to stop. I know it seems crazy, right? Like, why would God call you down a path just for it to be a dead end or to him to stop you, right? I was sitting there had my books open and I, I was crying because my daughter, she was upstairs and she was asleep. And these, I knew things were coming to an end, so I knew that I didn't have many weeks left. To spend with her, I was like, God, I just want to be with her, but I want to be obedient to you. And God, just as surely as He told me to go, He told me to stop. And He said, Close your books and you go back upstairs and you be with your family. I'm going to handle the rest. So I did. I've taken one seminary class in my life, I failed that class. I failed that class. And I had been, like, dealing with that, like, in the back of my mind. Why would God call me to a place and then tell me to stop right in the middle as it was reaching its, its culmination? I mean, I was getting to the end of my first semester of seminary, and I was going to be able to, to tout the fact that I had completed a seminary course and, and all that. Why would God take me to that point and then stop me right at the end? And I had a, just recently, a girl, she was in her 20s. She looked at me, she said, You mean like Abraham did with Isaac on the altar? I almost threw up. I really did. It sent cold chills from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. She said, you mean like God kept telling Abraham to take Isaac up to the altar and sacrifice him, and at the last moment he said, stop, no, this is not the way it's going to happen? I said, yeah, just like that. It's amazing I'd had one seminary course, surely I would know that about Abraham and Isaac, right? (laughs) I cannot tell you when God wants you to go. I cannot tell you when God wants you to stop. But God can. And I don't know why God led me down that path, but, but... Maybe it's so that I could share this with you today. I I don't care the reason. All I know is that God's going to be glorified through it, so I just trust him with it. And here Joseph's bringing up his kids, and like, man, he's got it all planned out and all worked out. And and, and... last second, Jacob says, no, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be another way. Why do we have such a tough time learning that? Why do we have such a difficult time understanding that? That just because we've got things worked out, planned out, our strategies aligned and all that kind of stuff, that God's not at the last second going to change his, his direction for us and say, no, it's going to be different than what you thought. It's going to be different than what you thought. And here we are as these messed up misfits that, that, that try our best to please God, but all we keep doing is screwing up every time we try to please God. And God says, yes, that is exactly who I want in my family. Bring them in with me. I want want them to be blessed. I want them to be be the cornerstones of this nation that I'm going to build. And that's exactly what God's doing here. And he's he's stretching Joseph's faith. He's testing him in a way that he's never really been tested before. And for us, us, we we think that we're going to, do something like like adoption and and, and, and it's going to be for us or it's going to be for the child. No, it's about Jesus Christ. You know why I know that? You know why I know that? Because if you look in this story, Jacob never really saw these kids before Joseph brings them in. Jacob really never, he said, who are these boys? Who are they? He didn't really know who they were. And he says, Oh, they're my family now. I, I'm going to take them from just being my grandsons. They're, they're going to be my sons, and, and, and they're going to be, be part of the, the family of Israel. Why did he do that? He didn't even know who they were. Why, why, why did Jacob do that and, and adopt them as sons? Because of Joseph. Because of his love for Joseph. That's why Jacob did it, because he loved Joseph. Why does God adopt us into his family? Because of his love for his son. Because of his love for his son. His son brings these two misfits before him, these two half-breeds, and says, take them, bless them. And what does God say? Because he loves his son, because he loves Joseph, because he loves his son, Jesus Christ, he says, I'm not just going to have them as grandchildren. I'm going to have them as children, and they're going to have an in- inheritance because of my love for you. Because of my love for you. And, and, and Joseph, what had he been through, man? What had he been through? He'd been, he'd been through the fact that his, his uh his brothers hated him, first of all. They talked about him behind his back all the time. And then they tried to kill him. Then they said, No, we'll just sell him into slavery and make a little money off of him. He goes into jail for a crime he didn't commit. Woman says that she, he's raped her, and that's not even true. He ran out because he's trying to honor God, but he left his coat behind, so she said he raped him and her, and, and now he ends up in jail as a result. So, not going good for, for Joseph. And then. And, and, he gets in jail, and he's, he's like interpreting dreams, and, and being a guy that honors God, and, and trying to do the best that he can. And, and he tells some guys about some dreams that he, he's interpreted, and they forget about him. He gets forgotten about and left in jail for years. And then finally, Pharaoh hears about how good he is at interpreting dreams, brings him in, and he starts interpreting dreams for Pharaoh. Pharaoh makes him second in command, and everything's going good for Joseph. Yes. Ephraim and Manasseh, and he, they, they're, they're his family. And, and now he's like, I mean, he even names some of the fact that God has, has allowed him to forget his past and continue on with his life. And God is blessing him now. And what does God do? He brings his old garbage right back in front of him, and his brothers show up at his front door. It's not going good for Joseph, even when it seems like it's going good for Joseph. Why? Because of his sacrificial nature, him continuing to sacrifice himself for the glory of God, he has one last sacrifice to make, and that is for his two sons. that were born of an Egyptian woman, for them to take his place. And he says, no, you give them the glory, and I'll take a back seat, and I'll take, I'll take a lesser portion. You, you, you give it to them. Does that not sound like the gospel of Jesus Christ to you? Or Jesus says, you know what? I'll make myself low. If you'll just take them, I'll be the sacrifice for them. I I will take all the punishment and all the wrongdoing that they deserve. I'll take that on myself so long as they are elevated and they become with your kingdom. They become part of your kingdom, God. What a beautiful, beautiful picture of adoption for us. Those of us that, I mean, if you look at our lives, all the evidence, all the evidence stacked against us is that, is that we hate God. And yet Jesus sacrificially goes, take them instead of me. Take them instead of me. What in your life, what kind of pride has built up in your life where you're unable to accept that kind of love? Has the shame and the guilt and all the nastiness and the filth and all that kind of made you feel like you're unworthy of that kind of love? Has, 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 have you looked at your life and said, you know what, I'm not, I'm not even worthy of the kingdom of God. Why would God want me? Why would God desire for me to be in his family? Well, hopefully what you've seen through this picture of Joseph is that he did it out of his love for his son. And his love for his son is evidence in the fact that God has given us grace. God has given us his son, Jesus Christ, for that purpose. And he's testing our faith time and time again. Said, I know that you think you've got it all figured out, but, but will you trust me? Will you allow your faith to grow? Will you allow me to stretch your faith so that, so that we can go deeper in our relationship? So that you'll trust God more the next time. There's, there's too many people that are looking at adoption the wrong way. There's too many people looking at adoption as thinking about themselves. It has never been about you. Just like genetics. You remember when I said that we put too much stock in genetics and lineage and heritage and all that kind of stuff? We put too much in that who our brothers and sisters are. You know what really matters is that adoption piece where we become part of the, the family of God. That's what really matters. I don't understand why we miss that. I don't understand why we overlook it time and time again. Don't miss the opportunity to be adopted. All of us as orphans, half-breeds against God, don't miss that chance. As God says, because of my love for the son, I want you to come and be a part of my family. Come and be with me. And when God calls you to something, even if it ends up being a dead end, don't be afraid to take that step because it's an act of obedience to the Father. Some people are afraid of taking a step towards salvation because they're afraid, I don't know what all it means, Kenny. I don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. 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 We talked about, about slavery last week and how it's a beautiful picture of, of, of us surrendering completely to the master and doing whatever the master says. And though it looks like bondage on the outside, it's actually freedom on the inside. It doesn't look like that from the beginning, but just like we've seen in Joseph's life, it didn't look like him being sold into slavery was a good thing. It turned out to be the greatest thing that happened to his family. Don't be trying to install your human reasoning on God and try to figure God out. Simply say yes to the adoption that God is offering you, being part of his family. Father, we love you. God, your word is overwhelming and the testimony of Joseph is overwhelming. God, as we see this picture of Jacob Stowing the blessing on Ephraim and Manasseh. Lord, it's a perfect picture of adoption because he didn't just bless them, he he adopted them. Lord, there are so many people, there are so many people that don't know you, they don't have a relationship with you. God, and as you have called us, Lord, is to grow your kingdom, to be instruments used by you for your kingdom to expand. You don't have to do it that way, but you choose to. So Lord we humbly bow before you and we say God whatever you have in store for us God whatever plan you have for us it is good enough because our desire is for your kingdom. Too many times we, we try to put our selfish motivations and our selfish desires on you God and it's not about us. It's not about us. God we just want to be used by you. God we just, we just want you to, to use our lives, God, to glorify your kingdom and to glorify you and to bring people into your kingdom. That's our desire. So, Lord, use us in whatever way you see fit, even if our plans are all messed up. Maybe, maybe we, we had a daughter, but, but she died, and, and we, we had a plan, and we thought it was going to work out one way, and you said, just trust me and trust my plan we want to trust you on that level as you, as you grow our faith, as you, as you make us stronger through the tests and the trials and the difficulties that come into our life. God, if you mess up our plan, it's okay. It's all right. God, we, we trust you completely. Father, I, I pray for the souls here that they don't know you. You tell us that you came into your own but your own did not receive you. But to those who did receive you, those who believed in your name, you gave them the right to be called children of God. And Lord, I pray, God, that people would embrace that today. God, that they would call on your name. They would believe in your name. God, you would adopt them. You would adopt them. As nasty and as filthy as they are, Lord, I pray that they would just come and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you to go to the Father for me. Lord, I pray, God, for the hurting people in this place. God, maybe it's connected with them on some level. Maybe their lives haven't worked out like they thought. Maybe they're, they're a Christian. Maybe they would just today just fall down on their face before you and say that they trust you. And God, that they, they need your encouragement and your strength that they don't have on their own. That God, they would just want to fall down and say, God, I need you and your strength. God, please pick me up. Restore me. Renew me. Give me the strength to continue on for your kingdom. Because ultimately, Father, it's about you and what you're going to do in our lives. So Lord Jesus, do a great work now as you continue to speak to people's hearts. Lord, I pray that they respond as you call them to. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?